Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with your treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life, you'll have all you need, just receive with a willing heart. You'll be set for life, you'll be on your way any day you decide to start. You'll be set for life You'll be set for life And they couldn't stop the battle now or else the enemy would go back to their fortified city. Now we got to go do that city by city thing again. So it's going to get dark. Joshua needed more daylight to finish the victory. And so Joshua said, sun and moon stand still. Hey, you just got more daytime. Now you can finish the job. (laughs) Wow. And the earth stopped rotating on its axis. Now the science community, they really laugh at this. Of course, believers in the science community have quite a difference in belief on how everything got started in the first place. They believe a bang. I believe God said earth exists and bang it happened. But they have a difference of opinion on this because they don't understand the power of God. They don't understand God's power. They think, and I can see why they think this, that if the earth stopped turning, then the inertia of all the water and all the oceans would spill over land. You'd have this giant land overwash and everybody would fly into It's like stopping in a car real quick. Everything goes in forward. They think everything on the earth would just, it would be total chaos. Well, do you realize when God stopped the earth, he had control over that too? He stopped all that. He kept it in place. He kept it in good place. This is a demonstration of God's complete and total control over absolutely everything. And why do we worry about our problems? God could stop the world from turning and keep the land together, keep the people standing where they are. You ever been cow tipping? Cows didn't even fall over, okay? I mean, everything's fine. (laughs) Because God... (laughs) So redneck, isn't it? Everything's okay. Nothing fell over. Everything's all right. And they continued the battle. God controlled the tides, every object on earth. Everything was kept in its place when the brakes got thrown on. Came to a full stop. Earth stopped spinning. Because it says the sun and the moon stood still. From the perspective of man on the earth, the earth stopped turning. They could tell by the sun and moon quit, quit moving. It didn't set. And it was expected that most people would not believe this. Written in the Bible, oh, come on, that couldn't happen. That's why a second reference of proof is mentioned in verse 13. It says, is this not written in the book of Jasher? Now, the book of Jasher is a Hebrew literary collection of poems and songs to honor the accomplishments of Israel's leaders. You can find it. I think my dad got a copy of it. Uh, It's available. You can see it on the net. It's not Scripture. But it does fill in some things that the Bible refers to, like here, the book of Jasher. You can trust it to read it, okay? 
And so this victory of Israel, fought while the earth stood still, is recorded in the book of Jasher for those who have a hard time believing it. It's on record. It's on public record at the time. Egypt always kept a record of their battles. And what's interesting is another great miracle when God parted the sea and closed it in on the army, Egypt didn't record their losses. And so we have a victory recorded in the book of Jasher, but in Egypt's old records, that Red Sea experience is not there because they got whooped. (laughs) They didn't record that. It's just kind of what they did back then. They kept a record of their battles. God did this miracle so that Joshua and the army of Israel could have enough time to complete the battle to victory. But I want to address an issue here, and this is where I really need you to lock on. There's an issue here that throws people into some terrible, terrible theology, and it's, it's, it's a bad problem today. There's an issue here that people misuse this verse to make the case that we can tell God what to do and that we can change God with our faith. There's a lot of people that use this passage because it said, God listened to a man. They take this passage and they say, oh, God has to answer to me. I can name it and claim it and say, God, I want this, and God has to give it to me. Look, it happened with old uh, Joshua and God. I want to address that because I have gotten more flack out of this than most other things in the Bible like that. It says in verse 14, let's refresh. There has been no day like it, before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man. Now, if you read just that verse alone, it looks like man caused God to change. It looks like God bent to man's will. People misuse this passage for the name it and claim it prosperity gospel that you can tell God to do something that He's got to do it. But this is what I call lightweight theologians. The lightweights. Oh, that verse looks good. Pluck. And then they use it and they go, oh, 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 look, I can do what I want. And God, you have to honor it because I'm with my faith and I want that thing and this thing. And God, you have to do it because you listen to men. Um, no, that's not what, it, what happened. God expects us to be a lot more astute than this. So what actually happened here? Let me show you. I want us to remember that God had already given Joshua assurance. Remember what he said back in verse 8? He said, I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. And so what Joshua did, he spoke to the sun and moon to stand still in agreement and with expectation to the promise that God spoke first. See what I'm saying? It's not God responding to man, it was man responding to God. What God said, that no man shall stand, that's what he was agreeing with. God said, they're all going down today. All these guys are all going down today. And so Joshua's call for more daylight was in agreement with what God already set in place to fulfill the victory that God sent him out to do. Man never has and never will say anything that catches God off guard. God is getting late. I didn't think about that. (laughs) That's not what happened. Did God know it was getting late? Of course He knew. He wanted to see what Joshua was going to do about it. Joshua thought, best I can do, I guess, is call for the sun to stand still. God goes, that's in agreement with what I said. Okay, we'll do it. That's what it meant when God heeded a man, because it was in agreement with what God already established. God did not learn any new information from man that caused God to change or act in a way that he did not intend to already act on. So there's a similar instance of this as another reference in uh, in interaction between Moses and God back in Exodus 32. 
God was really, really angry with the Israelites. And so he mentions to Moses that he wants to destroy them. But Moses pleaded with God not to do it. He said, God, don't do it. Don't kill the Israelites. And so God relented from his anger. Now, if you don't understand prophecy, and if you don't understand covenant, you'll look at that passage and think that man can give God new information that he's not yet aware of, and that God learned something from us, therefore he has to change his mind according to what man gave him. That's not what happened. If you understand covenant and prophecy, you will see that long before that moment, God promised, he already promised to give Israel their new land. And so Moses, pleading with God not to destroy them, he was speaking in agreement with what God already established. Moses was lacking in his leadership at that time. Israel was messing up, and God needed Moses to step up. He needed a surge in his leadership to get up and go, wait a minute. And so he goes, these Israelites, I'm considering wiping them out. And Moses went, wait a minute. (laughs) Who changed who? God surged Moses' leadership up to do what Moses was lacking. There's a scene from Terminator 3. And I, I always bring this up because it fits, but Terminator. John Connor, leader of the human resistance. He gets all down on himself. And he's like, why me? Why am I the one? Why am I? I'm not a great leader. And the Terminator grabs him by the throat and just picks him up and just holds him there. And suddenly John Connor goes, you stupid machine. And he drops him and he goes, that's better. You see, it was kind of like a wake-up call, psychology. He needed this leader to be a leader. And so he yanked him one, and he's like, okay, you stupid machine. He said, that's better. And it reminded me of Moses and God. Moses is like, oh, what am I? And okay, well, I'm thinking about wiping everybody out. No, you can't do that. If you do that, you'll break your promise. God goes, that's better. Who changed who? Who listened to who? Joshua was so on fire in God's assurance that every enemy had to fall that day that he called on the power of God to finish the job. And the reason that God listened to Joshua, it says, is because Joshua's commands for the sun and moon to stand still were in line with God's will. That's why it went down like that. So don't let people take this passage and say, you can change God with your faith. No, God changes us. Scripture says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. He doesn't change His mind. He's God. So the reason, again, that I hit this particular passage here so hard is that there's a lot of people, and I mean, I just had the argument as recent as last week, that people want to argue that this passage says we can ask God for absolutely anything we want and that God has to answer us. The problem is, most of the time, as sinners, we don't ask for what's in line with God's will. Joshua asked for what was in line with God's will. Let me show you John 14 and 13. Jesus said, and whatever you ask in my name, big point. He didn't say whatever you ask, period. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, people typically take 14, just 14. Ask whatever, I'll do it. But ask in his name. For the glory of the Father. If you ask something in His name, what that means is you ask in whatever agrees with what God has already established, with what God has already promised, with what God has already said He will do. 
Ray, I put you under covenant because you're in under the blood of Jesus. You're forgiven. You're now mine. I'm like, good. So, Lord, I ask for ministry that I can go out and share the gospel with people. Well, okay, because it's in line with what God already promised. See, I can't sit back and say, God, give me a million dollars just so I can live comfortably. He's probably not going to answer that because that's not in line with what he promised. Joshua did not speak for the sun and moon to stand still to glorify himself, to make himself look like a great war general. Man, if I could call the sun and moon to stand still, I'm going to look awesome. People are going to really dig me. (laughs) That wasn't for his own glory. It was because God said, every man's going to fall today. And Joshua called upon the sun and moon to stand still to honor that promise, to honor that assurance. Guys, do you realize what kind of confidence you can walk in? with God, if you know the promises of God, and if you know your place in covenant, and if you know prophecy, what God says is going to happen, then start channeling your mind that way, and start asking that way, instead of the way you used to. That's how prayers work. That's how prayers are heard. Instead of, God, I want this, I want that, I want that. Wasting your time. There's a lot of prayers God will not hear. That's biblical. But another major aspect of this event is the fact that the Canaanites just happened to worship the sun and the moon. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. They worshiped the sun and the moon. And so commanding the sun and moon to stop in the sky was a demonstration that God's power is above their false gods. My God beat your God. (laughs) That's pretty much it. God did a similar thing in Egypt during the ten plagues. The ninth plague, I believe it was, he caused it to be dark for several days because the Egyptians, they worshiped the sun god. Well, my God called your God to blank out. If that don't tell you something. What I'm trying to say here is this. We have to know the difference between authentic and counterfeit Jesus. Remember that I said in uh, Joshua 10, the first mention of Jerusalem with King Adonai Zedek, the Lord of Righteousness, that that's the first mention of Jerusalem. It's the first mention of Jerusalem, sort of. Sort (laughs) of. Way back in Genesis 14, there's a man named Melchizedek. Sounds similar to Adonizedek, doesn't it? There's a man named Melchizedek, and his name means king of righteousness, and he is from the king of Salem, which is short for Jeru-Salem. The king of Salem. This was way back before this. First mention of Jerusalem? Eh, there was one before that. King of Salem. The king of righteousness. Melchizedek. And if you will go back to my Genesis 14 message online and listen to that, I show how I believe that Melchizedek is Jesus Christ. He's the Lord walking with men because Melchizedek is a king priest. And Hebrews 7 mysteriously says that Melchizedek has no father or mother, or a genealogy. He just is Melchizedek. And Jesus' priestly line is in the order of Melchizedek. There's so many things about Melchizedek that lets you know this is a king of righteousness here. So we have two guys now to consider, both in regards to Jerusalem. We have Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, and Adonizedek, the lord of righteousness. Now Melchizedek blessed Israel because he gave to Abraham But the other one is not going to bless Israel. He's going to come against them, like we see here with Adonizedek. What I'm getting at is we have to know the difference between a counterfeit Jesus and a real Jesus. We have to know the difference. Most people don't know the difference. 
because the people, well, my God would never throw hailstones down. Well, you don't know your God. You're not pursuing to know Him in His Word. You have to know your God and what He thinks about sin. You also have to know what He thinks about covenant and what He thinks about Israel. You've got to know who your God is. We have to know the difference between the counterfeit and the genuine. And the prosperity gospel will lead you to believe in a false Jesus, and it will cause you to desire more prosperity for yourself than for Israel, who is being heavily persecuted. Israel's being persecuted bad. Who are we to sit over here and go, God, give me a million bucks, or a boat, or a... I'm not saying it's wrong to ask God for things, but is it in line with His will, with what He already established? As believers, we should be more concerned with Israel's prosperity than our own. That's one of the visions of this church. Because it says in Romans 15, 27, that since we have been partakers of the Jews' spiritual blessings, then we are supposed to bless them with material things. It's like we raided their refrigerator. We went to the Jews' refrigerator. I'm hungry. We opened it up and we cleaned it out and ate a bunch of food and took off. And they're like, hey, you cleaned out our refrigerator. Yeah, thanks. Bye. That's the way most people clean, uh, treat the Jews. We're supposed to give to them for that. We've, we've gained salvation and so much blessing from the Jews that we're supposed to give to them financially, materially. The Bible says it. Romans 15, 27. Look it up. If your viewpoint is that God's supposed to make you rich, prosperity gospel, but His chosen people's well-being are nowhere on your mind, then you are believing in a counterfeit Jesus. You are believing in an Adonai Zedek, not a Melchizedek. In Joshua 10, the counterfeit, Adonai Zedek, Lord of righteousness, he set out against the friends of Israel. Melchizedek blessed Israel. And so this is the observation that we need to have today. Do we perceive God as one who answers to us, or God as one that we should answer to? That was played out between Joshua and God, and I've heard people argue that one up and down. Oh, look, God listened to Joshua. No. Depends on your viewpoint. This is the observation. Do we perceive God as one who answers to us, or do we answer to Him? A God who bends to our selfish desire to withhold and therefore curse Israel is not a God who will bless Israel. That's a false God. If God is so willing to line your pockets, if you have no desire to bless Israel, you believe in a false God, is what I'm trying to say. We need to know the real God. Melchizedek, king of righteousness, and Adonai Zedek, lord of righteousness. A king and a lord. One called himself king of, one called himself lord of. But you know what? We have one who is the king of kings and the lord of lords in Jesus Christ. I pray that we set our viewpoints straight in alignment with the God of Israel to the promises and the covenants and the prophecies that He has already set. And make your prayers follow in line with that. Otherwise, it's selfish prayer. You're following a false God. If you follow a false counterfeit Jesus, it'll end up in wrathful judgment, like we're going to see about this alliance of kings next week. I don't have time today. But these kings are not going to end up well. And if you follow a counterfeit Lord of Righteousness, you're going to end up the same way. don't want you to be that way. I want you to follow the real one. You've got to know who God is, what He promises, what He says. You have to be aware of what He has set for you. That'll give you confidence. You won't be as afraid of your enemy, but it'll also teach you how to pray right, which is what Joshua did. He prayed right to glorify God. You know, um, 
as we saw in Joshua 10, I know you all have your trials, but as we just saw in Joshua 10, God will literally move heaven and earth to fight for you if you're under His covenant. Isn't that good? Read it, think it, speak it, do it. Be confident in the Word of God. Father, thank You so much for this picture. Lord, it did me a lot of good on how to walk, how to walk right, and how to not be selfish in my prayer, to just be praying for my gain. Because Lord, there's there's the Jews, there's Israel. Lord, we need to be thinking that direction. And Lord, I believe you will bless your people if they will think covenant-minded, if they will think promise-minded, if they understand the things you have said in your word. Then those are prayers you will answer because it will be in line with your will. Lord, teach us to let go of the the desires we have that are not your desires, because as your children, we will share the same desires you have. Forgive us, Lord God, of selfish desires. Thank you for letting us get under covenant when we didn't deserve it, like the Gibeonites, because, Lord, now they're being protected. Lord, I pray for anybody here who is not under the covenant of Jesus Christ, who has not given their life to you 100%, it's all or nothing that they make the decision right now to give their life to you and let you take charge and take over and alter their decisions, alter their path, Lord God. Change their mind about the way they view things that are not what you said. Give them the peace of your assurance they can walk in confidence with it. I thank you for all that, Father. Lord God, for anyone here who has not given their life to you, just pray after me. I cannot pray this for you, but you just pray with me if you want this. If you want to get under covenant, if you want to be like those Gibeonites, that even though they really messed up, that God will offer to give you protection. If you want that protection, you pray with me. Father God, I messed up. I blew it. I haven't done one thing right. I feel like I have completely bombed the whole thing. And I did. And I don't deserve your protection, but because you love me, you offer it. Yes, Lord, you care about me. And Lord, that person who's praying for your salvation, grant them the covenant under Christ, the promise that they are now yours. Lord God, I give you my life. I'm tired. I can't keep this up anymore. I can't do it. I need someone to come to my rescue now that I'm under covenant with you. And the Lord Jesus has died for you, and by his blood, you are now saved. For God's word says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You can trust that. You can take it to the bank. I accept your free gift of grace. Thank you for saving me, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. If that's you, let us know. If you gave your life to the Lord, if you're on the radio, I hope you did. You can pray in your car or wherever you're listening to me at, and uh, you can be saved, and you can get under this protective covenant, even though you don't deserve it, because you don't deserve it. I certainly don't deserve it myself. I haven't done one thing to qualify. And hey, whatever your week did to you, Jesus is above that. Pray in alignment with His will. Walk in confidence. Don't walk with your head all moped down. I don't know. God loves you better than that. He made you for better than that. He made you to conquer. He didn't make you to be defeated. But you got to do it His way, His terms, okay? That's good stuff. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time. Unless Jesus returns for us first, Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast 
at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you through a line-by-line, verse-by-verse study in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless, you are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.